to remember there are no stupid questions, just stupid people. All right, everyone, this is Tim with New York Giants Straight Talk, bringing you the best of New York Giants sports talk entertainment. We have a little bit to go over in reference to mandatory minicamp starting today. We got Brian Dable talking about Saquon Barkley or not talking about Saquon Barkley. We got Bill Parcells in the building, and I want to tell a quick Bill Parcells story. Um, I've never told this story. I've never told this Bill Parcells story before. Uh, but I want to get into Brian Dable first. Dable was visibly a little upset about the questions in reference to Saquon Barkley. Um, and, and in the comment in the beginning of the video was because of the fact that, you know, someone asked Saquon Bar- asked him a Saquon Barkley question, and the next question was about Saquon Barkley again. So I would be a little perturbed and a little peeved that I'm starting my mandatory minicamp with the entire team there, except for Saquon, because he won't be there because of the fact that he didn't sign his tag. Uh, but let's listen to this. Uh, let's listen to this little clip it from uh, from the table. Saquon seems frustrated that he feels like details of the negotiations were were leaked and were misleading. Is that a concern on your end that he feels that way about negotiations that are supposed to be private? Yeah, everything that I have to say about Saquon will remain private. Is everybody here? Everybody except Saquon, but didn't sign his tag yet. Do you plan uh, to have, like, when you make your plans for the future, like, you know, for the season, are you planning as if he's going to be there? I'm you just planning for today. Of, what? I'm just planning for today. Have a good practice. But you obviously have to do roster construction now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just worried about today right now, Jordan. Can, because he's so important to the team, can something like that become a distraction eventually from your experience as a coach? I'm just focused on today, Pat. Uh, Bel- I mean, Belichick. Because <laughs> it was a little belichick in there. But da- uh, Brian Dable just doesn't want to answer questions about it. He doesn't want to have to deal with it. But the problem is you are in the mecca of the media outside of Los Angeles. So you're going to have to answer questions. You're going to have to deal with what you may perceive to be stupid questions, but you're going to have to deal with it because Saquon is a, is a large part of this, of this offense. And, and, and we broke it down a little bit earlier today on uh, one of my Twitter posts that if you can't look at the giants, the giants were seven and two at the beginning of the season. Saquon had 931 yard rushing another 197 yards for a total of 1,128 yards and six touchdowns. When the giants went two, four and one, cause we're going to count that last game. Cause Saquon didn't play. Saquon only had 381 yards rushing under 141 receiving. For a total of two, excuse me, for a total of five twenty-seven and four touchdowns, you could see when the league adjusted, and, and if Saquon was, you know, you're stacking seven eight in the box, and you're making the Giants, you know, be more of a balanced team. We see they went from seven and two to technically two five and one. So he has an importance to the team. So yes, people are going to ask you about Saquon Barkley. You can be very truculent about it if you want. You can be very Bill Parcellians about it if you want. But at the end of the day. You know, you, you have to uh, you have to understand where the, where the media is coming from because these are going to be the questions that are going to be asked, good, bad, or right or wrong or indifferent. He also was asked a question about Daniel Jones and having more comfort level in year two. Is there anything tangible that you've seen in terms of Daniel from one year to the next year during this this period? Um, well, I, I just say that he's got a much more uh, comfort level with with our offense. Uh, again, we've added, I'd say, considerably new things, these camps, just to see how they look. But he's got really good give and take with Kafka, um, you know, seeing how different players look in different spots. Uh, he's had a really good camp. 
So, you know, he's saying Dan Jones had a really good camp because these are the voluntary. So uh, previously it was voluntary workouts. These, these are now mandatory. So, you know what? He's right. He's, you know, Dan Jones has got new guys to hang out with, new guys to, to you know, to, 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 to work with. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they progress outside of the OTAs. Um, and, and I kind of find that, um, you know, we're going to see where we go from here and we're going to kind of figure out what's going to, what's going to happen with this team and this organization. You are not going to learn much from mandatory mini camp. You are not going to learn much from, um, you know, until you, until you get into, until you basically you get into training camp and, and that's when you are going to, that's when you're going to learn things. That's when you're going to get a better idea of the offense. That's when you're going to get a better idea. Now, of course, it, it, during mini camp, excuse me, during training camp now, you are not allowed to put on the pads till day four. Um, so we're going to get a little bit better understanding and we're going to get a little bit better look at this offense. Once we get into the dog days of training camp and we kind of move th- forward through there, you had a nice interview with Sterling Shepard. You know, he, he's right on schedule physically and his goal is to be ready for the start of the seasons. What he said, I, I feel, I, I, you know what? Sometimes you have an athlete that stays at the party too long and Sterling Shepard was a good giant. He, he was a proud giant and, but sometimes you just need to know when it's just time to stop. And, and I feel bad in to, you know, for Sterling in that regards, because I think physically he's not understanding what this is going to take to uh, the toll on his body. Once, once he retires and, and, and he's saying all the right things and he wants to be there. Um, he, he's just, he's, I think it's just time you know, to kind of, to kind of move away from, away from the playing field. And every athlete feels like they have one great moment left. It's true. If you were a college athlete or high school athlete, you always, you know, you always feel, especially if we get to a little bit higher level in college, you always feel like you have one great moment left or you have one great season left in your, but a lot of times it's just not there. A lot of times physically you cannot perform and you're going to do more harm to yourself than anything else. I, I always go back, harken back to my second ACL tear. Within a year, I, I probably should have just hung him up. My college career was over. I should have hung him up, you know, after that first tear, because the fact that it was, you know, I tore my ACL, my meniscus, my mid meniscus, and I, I had some, uh, I had some uh, strained ligaments in my MCL as well. I probably should have quit, but I felt I had one more. I had one season left in me because I knew that was going to be my last season. So I, I had to come back and try. And what did I do? I come back and try. I tore the ACL again tore it again and had to have ACL replacement surgery. And, and I just get worried that, you know, and I'm in my fifties now. And honestly, if I would have known then what I know now, I never would have did it because the, the physical uh, pain and issues I go through just because of my knee, you know, is, is no joke. It's, it's not very, it's not fun. It's just not fun at all. So Bill Parcells was at camp today. The old ball coach was there. I love Bill Parcells. I mean, Bill's, Bill Parcells technically was my second coach. My first coach was Ray Perkins, and that, and that's going back to the late 70s. The, the former Alabama coach took the Giants to the playoffs in 81. Um, so that was like my first guy. But Parcells was like the first guy that was, you know, that when I was really following the Giants, I was really a big part of the Giants, you know, following that community. And, and I laugh because I've never told this story before. My father was a huge Giant fan. And, you know, I think a lot of times you have um, family members that are huge Giant fans, which is the reason why you become one. And he was the one reason why I became a Giant fan. And um, 
you know, he talks about the polo grounds and, you know, Charlie Conley, and, you know, and Frank Gifford and Sam Huff and Y.A. Tittle and Homer Jones and Spider Lockhart, uh, Spider Lockhart and all these other guys. And um, he knew Wellington Mara. And they did, they, uh, they had a, a business, uh, they, not a business killer, but they, you know, they were business associates, my father in Wellington. Um, so I, I have been lucky in regards to the fact that, and I've talked about this before, I've hung around the Meadowlands for years. I mean, I, I've went to some of the practices, you know, and I've, I've, I've had, I've had an opportunity to be around this organization and be in, around this in- organization internally, even when I was a kid. And it was interesting once because in 1986, this was a practice, I believe, in November. Uh, and the Giants used to practice inside the Meadowlands on the concrete turf, full pads, full contact. And I remember this was, uh, this was in the 1986 season. This was the Super Bowl season. I was still in high school. And, um, you know, my father had to go see Wellington, who was going to be at, at the practice uh, for business purposes. And he asked Wellington if I could come along. You know, and he was like, sure. He's like, you know, he just needs to be respectful. He just needs to stay out of everyone's way, you know, and just, you know, if he wants to, that's fine. So we get to practice and they're already on the Giants are already on the field. They're already practicing. And I'm trying to stay off to the side. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally just trying to stay off the side and I'm minding my own business. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to do anything. And then I see number 56. I see Lawrence Taylor and he's probably about 25, 30 yards away from me, you know, and Lawrence Taylor was, was, you know, he was the man back in 86, was the giant back in 86, you know, and even now he's, you know, he's that all-time great giant. So I'm trying to like angle over, you know, try to get close to Lawrence Taylor. So I, I could, you know, I could maybe have a conversation with him. And I bump into number 51, who was a linebacker named Robbie Jones. And Robbie Jones kind of saw what I was doing. And, and Robbie Jones was kind of like goating me on going, yeah, man, just go over there, walk over there. Just go, you know, just go walk over there, just go walk over. Now you would, I was in the corner of the end zone. You would have to walk around the cone, the pylon to get to the home side of the field to where Lawrence Taylor was standing. And I started to make my move around the pylon. And as I'm making my move around the pylon, I stop and there's Bill Parcells in front of me. And I remember what my father told me. My father says, don't talk to anyone. Don't do anything. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to get yourself in trouble for being there. Cause you pro- you know, Bill was probably, you know, the coaches have Bill is probably not going to want you there. And I remember I look in at Bill Parcells and he's probably, he's, he's like a foot away from me. The cone is between us. He's a foot away from me. And he asked me, he goes, what are you doing here? You know, and being a kid, I was like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just watching. I was like, I'm just watching. And he goes, what are you watching? And I said, well, I'm watching practice. And he looks at me. Now, remember, I'm still a kid. And he goes, what do you know about practice? And I remember it's just sitting there thinking to myself, oh, my God, Bill Parcells is about to ream my ass out because he does. I'm not supposed to be here. He's giving me this look. He's asked me what the hell I'm doing and what I know about football. What do I know about practice? Why I'm even there? I said, I said, my ass is grass. I said, not only that, my dad's going to kill me at the same time. And then all of a sudden, Bill cracks a smile. And he gives me a little, he gives me, you know, he gives me the proverbial pat on the arm. You know, he gives you the good whack on the arm and says, don't worry about it, kid. And then just walked away. And I remember thinking to myself, I was going to get, A, I was probably going to get banned from, I, you know, because you're a kid. I think I'm going to get banned from the stadium. My father's going to, you know, my father's going to ream me one. All this was going through my head. And then, like I said, Bill just, walk, Bill, just, Bill just walks off. And I remember thinking to myself, like 30, 40 minutes later, 
And my father and I are walking through the uh, through the tunnel to get back out to the parking lot. And it, then it dawned and hit it, it hit me right there. It just dawned on me. I just talked to Bill Parcells. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, that, I mean, that would have been a great moment if I wasn't scared out of my freaking mind. But that's just that's just a little that's just a little Bill Parcells story. Um you you have some people right now in the media that uh, that are that are kind of going after uh, the Giants and the situation with Daniel Jones and everything else and and, and you have you have the uh, you have the one woman uh, what's his name Joy Taylor let's, let's listen to what, let's listen to what Joy said real tricky. quick let's just get to that real quick it's just a tricky situation because when I think of the Giants I think of Saquon I do too. Absolutely. And we just spent a whole segment talking about the New York Jets, and we will be talking a lot about the New York Jets. And let's be honest, this is a business also. So you're going to play this game with your best player and the guy who's been the face of the organization has been the only really reason that you've been relevant over the past few years. I don't know that really matters to the people that are signing checks, but I don't see the team, this team being good next year if Saquon's not there. True. And while I agree with you, I wouldn't leave that money either. That's kind of your leverage. Nobody takes Daniel Jones serious without Saquon. I mean, apparently they do, but I just don't see it. So from a, from a marketing perspective, from a relevancy perspective, from a winning perspective, that's Saquon to me with the Giants. I understand we don't value the running back position. Depending on the year, the waves come and go. They're mm-hmm. super valuable. They're not super valuable. You can't pay him. You got to pay him. I get we go through all of that, but I don't think he needs to break the bank. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is making a little over $16 million. If he got 14, he'd be the third highest, and the, the franchise tag is $10 million. So you want to try and get somewhere in between that. He does need to be paid. It's, just, it's a very unique situation because sometimes when running backs are negotiating, it's like, well— you kind of got this over here, or maybe we can supplement with this, or that's not really how the offense works. And we have you know, these other guys that are, people are buying jerseys of. None of that is the case with the New York Giants. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I think he does have to try and, and flex whatever leverage he does have at the moment. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have no idea who she is. I, I know evidently she was a you know, radio uh, voice in Miami and she, Joy T- Taylor. I have no idea who she was, is, but a lot of people in the Giants Nation are just kind of going crazy over what she said. And you actually have two other guys on the panel who are totally agreeing with her assessment about Daniel Jones, about Saquon Barkley. Now everyone's saying, well, she's, you know, she could just talk anything she wants to talk because of the fact that, you know, this is what she does and you don't have to listen to her because she says this and she says that and blah, 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 blah. But you also have two former NFL NFL players that are there agreeing with her and nodding in agreement and saying, yeah, you're right. I I mean, I just find that interesting that people want to dismiss what she's saying. But we just spoke about a moment ago about the Giants and, you know, what they're doing in reference to Saquon Barkley and what his importance is to the offense. I mean, so I I don't know, man. I, I just think I just think a lot of people get so fired up when anyone that has a difference of opinion about Daniel Jones, anyone that has a difference of an opinion about about what he means to this team and what he means to the organization automatically gets attacked. And, I, and I'm saying everyone does, but it seems like a lot of people automatically want to attack these people because of the fact that they have a difference of an opinion, that they see something different. But at the end of the day, it's just their opinion. Like it's your opinion that Daniel Jones is going to be a top five quarterback and it's her opinion that that's what she thinks it's not going to be because of the fact that she believes that 
the Giants are, are basically run through Saquon Barkley. And if you look at it statistically and look at the difference, and like I said, we pointed out the 7-2 and two and the 2-5-1 and one part of the season, you can see that it does. Now, I'm not going to get into the Skip Bayless crap because, you know, Skip Bayless, everyone, like I said, every Skip Bayless is just Skip Bayless. And he he's going to say what he wants to say. He's going to do what he wants to do. And at the end of the day, Giant fans are just not going to want to listen to what he's going to say anyways because they just think he's Skip Bayless. It's like Stephen A. Smith. But like I said, I just find it interesting. I just find it funny that people are dismissing what she's saying, but there are two former NFL players next to her that are agreeing with everything that she's saying. She could be right. She could be wrong. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Because of the fact that we're in the middle of OT, excuse me, mandatory minicamp. And like I said, we're not, you're not going to get a lot of news out of mandatory minicamp. You're not going to get a lot of stuff out of here that is really going to mean anything. It's really going to mean something once you really get into, you know, into training camp itself. So these next couple of days are going to be, are going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, you, you've had some defensive notes here and there. And, and like I said, to me, the biggest thing was Bill Parcells visiting the minicamp. Um, cause I just think, I just think that's great because of the fact, like I said, I am such a huge Bill Parcells fan. So we've got a lot of other information, a lot of fun stuff coming up in the next couple days. So make sure you stay tuned. And again, this is Tim, this is New York Giant Straight Talk, and I'm out of here.